Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that sheds light and levity on infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, coming at you from the rainy and cold Bay Area. It's miserable outside. It's gray. There's really nothing else to say about that. Anyways, moving on. Today's guest is a slight deviation from our typical programming. Um, When I started interviewing hopeful intended parents who were trudging down the adoption route, I quickly realized that the stories um, of birth moms who placed their child for adoption, those voices were often lost in the conversation. Um, You hear a lot from adoptees and hopeful parents, but not a lot from birth moms. So with me here today to share both her own adoption story and why she chose adoption placement for her baby is Fiona Kennedy. Welcome, Fiona. Thank you. It's Happy to be here. <laughs> so great to have you. Um, give us a small intro into your world, um, who you are, where you live, how you spend your time. All right. So um, I'm Fiona. I'm currently living in Dallas, Texas. Um, I work in a pediatric ER and um, and have been through all out throughout COVID. Um, I also have a three-year-old golden retriever and um, we love to travel. So that's what we mainly do is travel any anytime we get. Oh my gosh. You, you guys are travel buddies. Where do you go? We are Anywhere we can go in the car. I just basically put them in the car and we go. So we've been to Colorado, New Mexico, all around Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Kentucky, Tennessee. We've been everywhere. Just anywhere we can hike, pretty much. Oh my gosh, I love that. And how old is he? He's three. Oh, wow. Oh, golden retrievers. They're just so, I mean... They're like a puppy in a big body. Yes. He's amazing. He's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you share with us a little bit about your own adoption story? Um, when did you find out you were adopted? What was it like knowing that information growing up? Okay. So I was adopted at two weeks old. Um, I was actually born here in Texas. Um, from the beginning, my family always made it known that I was adopted. Um, probably around when I was four, I, they started bringing it up just in slight conversations just to try to get me to understand. Um, I really didn't understand. I thought it was just like a fun fact about me and I would tell everyone, which probably wasn't their end goal, but, um, they just made it seem very natural that I was adopted. Um, I reconnected with my birth mother when I was 14. Um, I also have two half-siblings, an older sister and a younger sister. And ever since then, we've had a pretty great relationship. Um, My sisters have been in my wedding. I have been in my older sister's wedding. Um, We've gone on trips together. We've gotten very close since 14 till 27 currently. And um, it's really like having two families coming into one, um, just having that really great relationship. They're completely different, but it's wonderful that I kind of have um, half and half, you know, I nature versus nurture. And it's really wonderful to see what traits I've gotten from both sides. Um, share with us a little bit about your relationship with your birth parents. So I do not know my biological father. Um, I did. I have information on him, but I never really reached out or did anything like that. But um, my biological mother had me when she was about twenty, um, and was obviously not just in the right right place to be able to be a mom to my older sister and me at that time. And um, we have had multiple conversations and I respect her for her decision wholeheartedly. Um, we have a really great relationship now. You can definitely see we, we actually look pretty similar. Um, out of all of the sisters, I look the same as her. Um, and we have, we've had some great, like great conversations about adoption and how 
and how like the reasons why she placed and things like that. Um, our relationship has gotten a lot stronger since 14. Um, since I was 14 when I first met her because I didn't think I really understood everything. So over those years and over um, multiple, multiple times spent together, we have really created kind of like a special bond that I don't think I would have with anyone else um, because basically I'm trying to figure out how to word this one. Yeah, no, just figure it out. We're all here to like figure, you know, we love, I love it when people try to like um, process things on the show. So process away. Yeah. So basically, I mean, we have that connection that like she is my biological mother. Like there are certain traits I've received from her. Um, but then again, I, I didn't grow up with her, so I have a completely different mindset. And so when we can we can have these convers in-depth, deep conversations about how we feel so similarly towards one thing, but so different from the other, and but always coming back me kind of having the basis understanding of everything that's so similar just because she she's my mother as well you know um we just we just have a really great connection and I'm I'm grateful that although we didn't have an open adoption throughout my entire childhood that we could get back to that connection and um basically stir up more of like a, a family whole big family um mantra um, later down the line. So I'm very lucky that um, she ex- basically accepted the fact that I could be back into her life. And I know that was like very difficult for her because it was very difficult for her to place at the time. So I'm just mm. very, very grateful that we could reconnect and get get back to being, having that kind of like a mother-daughter relationship, but with a completely different twist. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about, so two things, I want to go back to when you say you have certain traits, but a different mindset. Can you give us an example of both? Yeah. So, I mean, granted, like I, I look more like her than obviously my my mom, just because I biologically I am hers. Um, but growing up with a mom who has compl- uh, very different beliefs, I it's, again, that nature versus nurture. Um, certain traits that I got from my biological mother, just be, three being off the top of my head, was that she's, like, extremely motherly. Um, she's always wanted to be a mom. She um, She's just very um, nurturing to everyone. Um, so like she's always willing to help anyone in need, like that's just her priority of life. Um, she's extremely hardworking and she's basically just the caring aspect that I have. I think I truly get from the, the nature side of our relationship. Well, yeah, you're in the pediatric ER. I mean, talk about, I mean, caregiving, like that, and I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, mm. But like my my mom, I mean, obviously has all those traits, but her beliefs of different things. Um, not saying that my biological mother has a provincial mindset, but more of my mom just has a very more like free spirit, and opened my eyes to so many different things. Basically, letting me believe whatever I want to believe, and being very open about that I can have any belief that I want and I'm allowed to feel whatever way I want to feel um, about certain things. So it's just a very different, um, different way of growing up. And I can compare it to my sisters who grew up with my biological mom Mm. versus me who I grew up with my mom. You know what I mean? Now your sister, your older sister, um, she did not get placed for. She did not. Okay. And she grew up with your biological mom. Right. Correct. Yes. She's two year, two and a half years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and then your youngest sister was also grew up with your biological mom. Yes. Um, so my younger sister was an IVF baby. Okay. So yes. So my you guys mom- really cover a long spectrum, Fiona. <laughs> I am glad you're on the show. 
Thank you. Yes. So my, um, my, my mom, after she, um, had me, didn't know if she wanted any more children and then, um, met her current husband. And then later my younger sister is six years younger than I am. And when she was ready to have a baby, um, obviously had some difficulties. So she went through IVF and had my younger sister, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Wow. That is incredible. I mean, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that too. Being the middle, the middle daughter, um, placed for adoption. Was that, was that a challenge to sort of sort out? It was, it was a little strange just because I went from, okay, my, my biological mother didn't place my older sister. Granted, she was in a completely different way of life then. Like, um, and then my situation and her situation at that time when I was born was not very good. Mm-hmm. So I, like I said, I wholeheartedly respect her for her decision because I don't necessarily think we would, she would not have had an easy time. And I don't think I would have had the life that um, I I had yeah. if she hadn't placed me. So I overall think it was the best decision and I very much respect her for that. And then she, when she was ready and when she finally was able to like want to have another child she couldn't so she had to go through all of the secondary infertility um and try for a couple of years to finally have my sister wow. so I mean I she really I mean she covered everything from being a single mom and then placing me and then having to go through IVF I mean she I can't I can't even imagine so. wow Wow. Yeah. I mean, as much as I was a little confused when I was younger, I really respected her for it because she, I mean, it's not like a year after I was born, she just went out and had another baby and kept her. She, right. You know, she went through everything she needed to go through. And then, you know, and unfortunately she couldn't have, she suffered with secondary infertility and then had to go through the IVF process to get my younger sister. And I mean, my younger sister and I are close as can be. And I'm so happy she went through that just because, Mm. I mean, I couldn't imagine life without my little sister. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That, that's another big thing that we don't kind of talk about enough is timing, you know, timing of one person's life can be so different from year to year, you know? Correct. Um, Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Anything else about your own birth story that you feel is important to mention? Um, um, I think everyone who is adopted has a completely different story. And so some people... I've met a lot of adoptees who do not want to talk anything about their biological biological mom, biological parents, biological situation at all. And there's some that are very vibrant in talking about it. So I think you really have to basically just think about what they really want to talk about. Just don't go full, like full throttle being like, Hey, tell me about this, this, and this, because everyone has a different situation. I mean, my situation turned out really well, but other people's haven't. Mm. Um, so like I said, some people have really awful adoption stories and some people don't. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of be cautious and asking questions. And, um, I mean, that's, goes along with like being a birth mother as well. Like you have to kind of navigate, navigate it very delicately. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Well, fast forward to when you were a freshman at Penn State and discovered you were pregnant. What went through your head at that time? Panic, pretty much. Um, big time panic. I was a freshman. I was I was on the younger side. I graduated high school at 17, so I was pretty, pretty young and new and just was very panicked. Um I found out in my spring semester, my freshman year, and then I went home and had to tell my parents, which was, again, a very big shock to them. And I really, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I kind of had 
I knew I had a decision to make. Um, my, my dad was very supportive in the fact that I could keep the baby and I could live there. And my mom was more of a, you know, like this is a very big thing. Like you have a decision, you have multiple options. I mean, the, the topic of abortion did come up. Um, but for me being adopted, I, I was like, you know, I had a great life and my, my mom didn't abort me, but she also didn't keep me. So there is this other option that I feel like is not, it's not talked about as much as it should be. Um, because you, you can, you can go through nine months and give your child to someone else and they can have an amazing life and you as well can still have your life as well. You know, um, so I, I emailed Tammy. Tammy Davis. Shout, shout out to Ta- Tammy Davis who connected us. Yes, yes. Shout out to Tammy who actually found me for my parents as well um, 27 years ago. I was one of her first babies. Wow. Yes. She was so young she couldn't run a car. So <laughs> if that tells you anything, <laughs> literally couldn't run a car in Texas. Wow. She, she was that young, but she did an amazing job. She found me the best parents ever that I could ever imagine. Wow. So shout out to Tammy. Um, also shout out to her husband as well, because um, when I contacted her, she um, basically gave me all the options. She talked to me. She asked me why I wanted to choose adoption. She went through everything. Um, and then she talked to Bob, her husband, who welcomed me into their home. So two weeks after getting um, two weeks after getting home from Penn State and figuring all this out, I packed up all my stuff and moved to North Carolina and stayed with Tammy my entire pregnancy. Wow. Yes. So definitely owe them the world pretty much just because they took me in and um, they took me in and helped me throughout my entire journey of being a birth mother. Wow. Um, I will say I didn't tell anyone that I was leaving. So I, everyone was under the impression that I, um, I was taking a year off from college and um, taking a job in North Carolina um, mm. where I grew up. It wasn't very accepted that you get pregnant young. Mm. Um, it was a very big Catholic community and I just chose not to say anything to family, friends, anything. And so I moved to North Carolina and we kept it very hush hush. And Tammy helped me through the, entire process of choosing a family and how the whole basically how her whole business worked with adoption Mm. so I got the I got the inside scoop as well which was very enlightening wow and was there a specific reason why you wanted to go to North Carolina and be with Tammy besides her being just a wonderful open arms individual rather than staying at with your parents? Um, I think ma- majority is the environment that I, w- that I grew up in. Um, I, I knew I would have been supported by my parents with any decision that I would have made. Like they were, they were very supportive. I mean, they did have their opinions, mm-hmm. um, which I did like have all to parents. kind of battle. Right, right, exactly. Um, but the place where I was, where I grew up was not wasn't very welcoming of that. So I just mm. thought that would be like an added, kind of like an added pressure that I just didn't feel like I needed. Got um, it. But I mean, I, I, I trusted Tammy because she found me, for, my parents for me, and I had a great life. So I was like, what better place to go than someone who I've had that connection with and had that support with in the past mm. um, to move forward with her. So that's what I did. And it was amazing. That's incredible. Um, and so you you gave birth to a little girl? I did, yes. Um, she turned eight on Saturday. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. Happy birthday. Yes, she is amazing. She's everything that anyone could ever imagine. Wow. She's perfect. Yes. I mean, a little biased, but you know. Now, were you, did Tammy help you navigate um, what kind of a, adoption 
you wanted to place her in, like open? Yes. So like I, I'm I'm sort of confused about all the options. Could you go through those with us? Sure. Yes. So there we have um, closed adoption, which basically means that when the adoptive parents get their get their child um, from their birth, from the birth mother, that afterwards there's no contact. So no contact from the birth mother, no pictures sent back and forth, just closed door, like nothing. Um, so there's that option. There's the partially open adoption where it's kind of like a door is cracked open where there's, you can do pictures, you have the option to go back and forth and talk, but it's not, it, you don't have to. And then there's open adoption, which I have an open adoption where um, I can receive pictures when I want to. We do visits. Um, my, I mean, uh, my child knows who I am. She knows that I am her birth mother. Um, so there's that option. Unfortunately, with adoption, that is not a legally binding thing. So um, an adopted couple could tell me, oh, we're going to have an open adoption. But once they, I place the baby with them, they could immediately close the door. And I would never be able to do anything about it. So the... Adoptive parents have kind of say to do that? Yes, they have that control. Ooh, that just sent chills down my spine. Yes. So when choosing an adoptive couple, um, my thing was like, you you really have to obviously get that trust. I mean, you have to feel that trust basically because you're giving them your child, but at, at the same time that they're going to respect you postpartum as well. You know, they... They have gained their child, and that's amazing, but they also still respect you as the fact that like you helped them get to this point. Mm. And she has amazing parents. She has the best parents that I could have ever imagined, um, and they respect me through and through, and, and I, we can visit, we get pictures, everything, and they're just they kept with up with their side of what they said and I keep up with mine and it has worked out ever since. Mm. Wow. So there's different types of adoption and different types of different types of everything. So adoptive couples can also say, Hey, I, I, I want a closed adoption and some birth mothers want that. So they connect someone only open. Um, it's just finding the balance of being open so like when I was pregnant, I really wanted a very open adoption. And um, the adoptive couple that I chose, they wanted open, but I think it also scared them. Mm. Um, so then when, ironically, afterwards, they were very, very wanting an open adoption. And I kind of closed off a little bit because I needed my time to heal. So then finding that balance, it took a couple years to finally find the balance of I want pictures occasionally. I want visits occasionally, but I don't need a daily update saying, hi, my, she brushed her teeth at this time today. Like that's too much, clearly too much, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, because in the end, like I, yes, I am her birth mother, but she has a mom and she has a dad and she has a family. And I was in charge of choosing that for her mm. and I did. So I need to trust that that is going to be her life for the rest of her life. So mm. it's just, it's, it's a, it's a very like interesting mind, like compilation of everything you really have to think about mm -hmm. and then see if it actually is going to come into play in your own life. Yeah. And you know? Yeah. Um, it sounds like you have a really special relationship with her. I do. I do. She's, she's amazing. She's nuts, but she's amazing. She's a crazy eight year old, mm -hmm. but she's, she's wonderful. And her whole family's just perfect. That's great. I couldn't, I could not have asked for anything better. That's great. So now we're gonna, I'm gonna touch upon a subject that is a little bit controversial. Okay. Um, I know you're in Texas. Um, and so Texas has been in the news recently for a lot of, um, oh, just a lot of, um, you know, pretty extreme abortion restrictions in the whole state. And, um, you know, something in the infertility community 
Um, and I won't speak for the whole community, but I'll just speak for myself and a few, a few close friends who, you know, we shared the same views. Um, a lot of people assume that because you're in the infertility community, you are also an adamant member of the pro-life club. And um, I was just curious if that has ever come up for you. Yes. So, excuse me. So being a birth mother, usually people just assume that you're pro-life and um, like you didn't abort your baby. So you're pro-life. Like that's, you get that label on you a lot. Yes. Um, But from, I mean, from my personal experience and my personal opinion, I, I, yes, I chose that for myself, but I don't have any, like, I don't have it any control or any, I don't think it's my opinion or my say for anyone else. Um, I know birth mothers who, um, have also had abortions, um, but they've also placed for adoption. So, uh, that stigma and that, uh, label of pro-life that's put on birth mothers, like you, honestly, you don't know until it happens to you that you're pregnant and you're placed in a situation where you cannot parent the child that you are carrying. Mm-hmm. And yes, you have a decision to make, but you can make either decision. Just like any other woman, you have the ability to make any decision that is fit for you. No one should tell you that, tell you what you should think or what you should do just because either you've done one thing in the past or haven't done one thing. Um, it's really up to you. And so, yes, it's Definitely a a label that gets put on birth mothers a lot just because we've already gone through that or um, Mm -hmm. they just automatically assume, oh, you're pro-life because you carried the child for nine months and then you placed for adoption. Like you don't, you didn't want, you didn't want to go the other route, Mm -hmm. but it's all, I mean, it's all speculation in that regard. And I feel like until you actually ask the birth mother and let her tell her story and her viewpoint, no, you really have no idea. Yeah. You know, I think a lot about what we talked about earlier, which is timing and the circumstances and environment in which, you know, the birth mothers, you know, where, what does that life look like, you know, and what is that what is that child arriving in, you know? Um, And that's a lot to consider. That's a, and I think everybody, like you said, deserves to have the freedom to decide that for themselves. Right. hundred percent. Great. Well, glad we're on the same page about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. What are some areas in your perspective from your perspective, that desperately need fixing about the adoption process in the United States? I think from both sides, from the biological mother and the adoptive parent side, that um, there's things that obviously need to be changed. I mean, I know adoption's been around for a long time, but it's like anything, it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. And I mean, every state has different laws. Um, What I do suggest is although people do private adoptions all the time, which is what I did, um, I still had, you basically need a good adoption attorney. That was, that is the, a very big deal with private and agency and anything adoption just, and to have a separate attorney from, from the adoptive parents, you need someone who's going to solely represent you, who you can talk to. And so you don't feel like you have to share that with them Mm. because I mean, throughout the entire time I was always, I was always encouraged to talk about my feelings and talking about like how I felt. And even up until literally the day I delivered, Tammy always said like, if, if I wanted to change my mind, I was a hundred percent able to change my mind. Mm -hmm. Like I had that option. I would have to do it. Like I would have to obviously let the adoptive parents know and things would have to change. I mean, I wasn't prepared to have to take home a baby, mm-hmm. but basically that I, I was given that option. I feel like a lot of birth mothers aren't given that option. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, okay, you, 
are going to place. So that's, that's your decision. You made that. And granted, I made that, at, that decision at 12 weeks, which is very early. Um, and I stuck with my decision, but some people change their mind. And with birth mothers, they, I feel like some of them get shamed for changing their minds. Mm. But granted, also adoptive parents also change their minds on us too. Mm. So I, I've no, I've heard stories. Oh, of, really? It can go both mm-hmm. ways. It can go both ways. So um, adoptive parents sometimes they find out, oh, you're actually having a girl, and we want a boy, so we don't want to place with, like, we don't want to mm. basically have a contract with you anymore. Like we we want something else, or oh, you want an open adoption now? You said you didn't want one two weeks ago. We don't want to work with you anymore. Mm. Um, or just like cert- just certain things, um, just like birth mothers can back out, adoptive parents can also back out, mm. which I've heard multiple stories of either. So I think um, just, I think there's just a lack of education on both sides mm. um, with adoption. And like I said, it's constantly evolving and changing, but um, you really need to have kind of like a mediator. So kind of like, so a person like Tammy who basically works with both sides. So she, she knows everything about that birth mother. She is the advocate for the birth mother, um, especially being a birth mother herself. Um, and then, um, but she also works with the adoptive parents. So she, she advocates for both sides. She's kind of like a mediator. She's there for you on either side. Um, but then you also have your separate like attorneys who you can also use for that. You need to be separate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that are wrong with adoption. I mean, there's people that, I mean, they, there's just things wrong with everything. I mean, right. always, but there's, there's things that are wrong. There's things that are great. And I still think everyone is still navigating this crazy world of adoption because there's some, some, some are great and some are not. Yeah. I've talked to birth mothers who, um, like I said, the it's not a legally binding contract that it will be an open adoption. Mm. Um, I have a friend that I have gone to a birth mother dinner with and um, her, the adoptive parents like cut off all contact and she can't do anything about it. Oh gosh. And she's like, okay. I mean, she literally can't do anything about it. Wow. And that's just how it is. And, but I mean, on my side, like I got lucky. I had adoptive parents who, kept up with what they said they were going to do. So Mm. there's things that are not great on both sides. Um, From the adoptive parent perspective, yes, there's, I'm sure it's extremely scary basically because there's no legally binding contract that says I'm going to place with you. Mm. So I could have this baby and then be like, "Mm, you know what? I don't, I don't really want to anymore. You know? You know, unfortunately, we had, I did do an episode with my friend Clifton who experienced a disruptive adoption. And um, it really is heartbreaking. It it feels heartbreaking on both sides too, you know. Um, Yes. Can't be an easy decision, you know. And I try, I mean, my biggest thing is I always tried to look at it from both sides, like, I believe that so babies are a mere it's literally a miracle of life because when you think about it I mean from the science perspective like the chances of a, a woman getting pregnant is like super slim mm-hmm. so slim it's truly is a miracle mm-hmm. it really is mm-hmm. and so yes I was graced with the ability to be able to do that but like the adoptive parents like some of them they we'll never be able to experience what I'm experiencing. Mm. And like that to me is heartbreaking because like, why, why, why can I do it when I'm not ready, but they're, they're completely ready. Like, Mm. well, I never, you know what I mean? So I, although I can't say I've experienced that, I, cause I haven't, I've um, not experienced, obviously not experienced that. I can see it for, I try to experience, try to understand it from that point of view that, that must be awful. Like the yeah. one thing you want and then not being able to have that, you know? Mm-hmm. So as a birth mother, I try to always look at it from different perspectives just because although you are sad and you are 
terrified and panicked. Um, so is that adoptive mom mm. that is trying to have a baby. Like you, either side is both going through such, such emotion and such so many thoughts that it's, yeah, just the communication and the navigation that needs to go on both sides of the equation to be able to come together to have a successful adoption and a successful life for that child is if one thing is off, like it's not going to work, you know, it's all. Yeah. It's It's intricate. (laughs) I'm just like imagining like an intricate um, choreographed waltz, you know, like it, it's like very dependent on one thing leading up to another and this, you know, these two bodies kind of communicating very well together, you know, and um, yeah, I can, I can totally, I totally hear everything you're saying. Um, Are there any misconceptions or assumptions that are made about birth moms that you've encountered? Oh, yes. So um, the biggest thing that birth mothers, I feel like, um, have to have to battle pretty much every day is that we, we take the easy way out. Um, that's has been said to me numerous times that, Oh, you didn't, you didn't want to have to struggle in your life to have your baby. Um, you, you know, like you were okay enough that you could have parented your child or you, you gave up on your child. You gave up, um, you gave up your child because it was easy. Um, just certain things like that. And it's like, no, it's, it's not easy, but in my eyes, it's, uh, yes, I, I, could I have parented the baby? Yes, I could have, but I would have struggled and then my child would have struggled. And I didn't think that that baby, uh, deserved that. I could I have done it? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes, I could have, but it would have been a struggle and that beautiful baby did not need to be a part of that and could have and she did have a amazing life where she had everything and she has good parents um in my situation she would have had me and that's that she would not have had a father figure she would have not had um she wouldn't have had all the opportunities that she is that she should have had Mm. so in my eyes it, yes, although it can be deemed selfish, it's also a selfless decision um, because I, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I didn't do it for me. I did it for her. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't think that many people also understand that even though like you don't, you, you go through the whole process and like, I mean, you, you don't go home from the hospital with your baby. Like it's, Although I did, I did, I did make, I made that one, I asked for that. Um, ironically, my, my adopted parents, um, or the adopted family that I chose was very wonderful. And two hours after I gave birth, I said, I'm not leaving the baby, the hospital without a baby. And they trusted me enough to let me bring the baby home and do it from home instead of me leaving the hospital, that sterile of an environment with mm. nothing. So you were able to bring her back to your house? I brought her back to Tammy's house. Tammy's house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then got to basically be in the comfort of a home when um, her parents took her home pretty much. Mm. Instead of having a me being in a hospital room yeah. and then saying goodbye. Yeah. You know. That seems more comfortable for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that's another thing that, I mean, it's completely off topic, but the fact that that was another reason, another reason why it solidified me that they were the right choice was because even though they have held their baby, they have done this, they got to show their baby to all their family. They did all this. They still trusted me with one more thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There was one more thing I asked for. And they allowed that to happen. And at the end of the day, like, I'm sure they were terrified the entire time thinking I was just going to try to try to not place, but they let me do something that was comfortable for me. And evidently they got to take their baby home and Mm -hmm. I was in a much better place 
doing that than being in a hospital mm. in such of an environment that's not not amazing. So I'm trying to imagine it. Did you walk out with her and put her in there? Like who had the car seat? Like I'm just trying to imagine the picture. So um, Tammy's husband and I actually walked out together. Okay, got it. He, yeah, he um, Tammy got. Um, all the stuff ready at her house because I basically told her, I was like, hi, I'm coming back to your house. Yeah. And she was with me the entire time in the hospital. Um, she, she was like awake for like 48 hours. I feel so bad. For oh her. my gosh. Burning the midnight oil. Literally. She was amazing. And then she finally got to go home um, and kind of Bob, her husband stepped in and put the baby in the car. I was in the car with her and, he drove us back to their house to be able to do the parting mm-hmm. of ways. And I got to hold her at home and, you know, just feel feel like I was in a much better mindset and a better environment to be able to basically give my baby to her family, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. But getting back to the mis like the the labels and the misconceptions, um I had a great wonderful nurse during my entire labor and delivery process. Um, I had a 17 and a half hour labor Mm. and it was quite long, but she stayed the entire time with me. Wow. And she was very supportive of my decision, which I think is amazing because I've heard also horror stories of nurses not being um, respectful of the adoption. Um, I've heard stories of that um, just because they try to convince the mother like, oh, you can do this. You can parent. You can do this Mm. and that. So basically the biggest thing that birth mothers have to deal with is that people just think that we took the easy way out Mm -hmm. because we didn't want to be a single mom or we didn't want to struggle to have to basically parent our our children. Um, and granted, adoption isn't for everyone. I'm not saying that. Um, my older sister also got pregnant young, and she decided to parent her child. And she did that. And I love my niece with every, everything I have in my heart. Mm-hmm. But to me, I, I, I was not that person. I could not do that. So it's literally everyone's personal preference. Um, and overall, it worked out perfectly for for my daughter, it worked out for me. I mean, I won't say that I was never sad or went through postpartum depression or I didn't, yeah. I mean, I did, I went through all of that, but at the end of the day, I, I know I made the right decision. Um, and I give it, give that option to other expectant mothers saying like, you, you don't, you have so many options. I, my, um, my choice isn't the right choice for everyone. Mm-hmm. We, you, you have plenty of options. You have time to decide. Yeah. You should not feel any pressure. I mean, you're going to from within, obviously, but you should not feel any pressure from anyone else but you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and don't the stereotyping. Yes, stereo. I mean, they're everywhere. You're going to hear comments. You're going to hear everything. And there's learning that those the opinions of others when it's that big of a decision for you and for a baby they don't mean anything Mm -hmm. you have to fight through those and it's very difficult but they people can say whatever they want to say but at the end of the day I I and other birth mothers know that we made the right decision Mm -hmm. for our children I've done a few episodes now um with adoptees on the subject or intended parents um, that are hoping to adopt about the process. And um, the thing, I remember talking to my neighbor who um, became a parent through adoption, and um, he actually is getting his PhD in adoption studies. Um, so talking to him, you know, in preparation for a lot of these episodes so that I could be, um, you know, privy to the language, you know, that's used and everything, a few things that he pointed out was, um, you know, to not use the term giving up a child for adoption. 
And I thought that was really important. It's you, you're placing your child in adoption. And, um, and so, you know, in a, in a society where words really matter and making small changes like that can mean, um, can be really helpful for a lot of people. Like, I think that's important to kind of just mention. And, um, what, what, what are your thoughts about like the way people, I guess, characterize your situation? Um, I definitely think that all the verbiage of adoption, um, if a prospective adoptive parents are really trying to get through to that birth mother and really try to present themselves well, that they will, they will do their research and that they, they'll try to see it from the other side as well. Um, basically, uh, when, when a birth mother is presented with profiles, because that's what, that's how families are presented to us. We usually have like photo books or pamphlets of basically who, are, who, are, who is this couple? Who is this couple? Why should I, why should I place my baby with them? And they go through and they talk about certain things about their life and what type of life their baby, the baby would have. And, um, they usually write like a little letter. And to me, although I can see everything about your life and everything about your family, um, the letter is what really stands out to me. Mm. Um, I can tell who has researched and who knows the right verbiage and how to come across without coming across too strong and too, um, too, I mean, I guess too researched at the same time, Mm -hmm. um, the more genuine, but knowledgeable notes that I received was the, were the ones that I put in the pile of, okay, maybe I'll take a second look. Mm. Um, just because yes, I can see that you have a great family and that you have a beautiful home and that you do these activities. And yes, that's wonderful. Like I obviously, I take notes on all of those, but the letter there that basically says, hi, birth mother, this is who we are. And we know you're going through a rough time right now. And this is a very big decision to make, but we are here in this regard. We know about this. We know about that. And we we are here if you just want to ask us questions mm. or, um, you know, they're, that they're open and they, they're also kind of wanting feedback about their, in a way about how they presented themselves mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, one of my things I did with Tammy was I would review profiles mm. of her, her couples and I would make notes about um, how I think as a birth mother, Granted, I already had picked my couple, so I didn't, it was not for me, but how I would think that other birth mothers would view these profiles. Um, So just take this out, take this verbiage out, because I think that's, you know, that's, that's a little overboard or too overly, just overly Googled, Mm -hmm. as I say, just, you know what I mean? Mm Like, a little, little, little too much, Mm -hmm. or don't talk about this as much because I I don't really want to know that. I want to know other things. Um, just or uh, being open to a visit. So I, I had visits with other prospective parents when I was pregnant. I I met three actually. So I met my the one I chose um, for my daughter, and then I met two other couples. And one of them knew I already had a couple, but literally just asked to be my backup couple just in case anything were to go wrong. And we met and we had lunch and they're amazing. And honest, I still, I still talk to her today. Wow. Um, she adopted, uh, that couple adopted two beautiful girls and they're amazing and they're not, it was not from me, but I still have a connection with them mm. that I, and I still see them. And um, yeah, it's just the connections that you make and the, if, and we, as birth mothers, we can tell like, the true reasons of why you want a baby and have you thought this thought about the birth mother at all? Mm. You know what I mean? Have you, you yeah. On that note, I feel like, um, the birth mother, her voice is so lost Mm -hmm. in a lot of the conversations about adoption, you know, and it was actually my neighbor that told me that 
again, he's getting his PhD in adoption studies. So he was like my source. Um, and he, he was actually doing his thesis on birth fathers and how like the level their voice, you know, compared to the birth mothers, their voice is almost non-existent in some times. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, what has been your experience with birth fathers and talking to them or not talking to them? So, I mean, I it, like I said, across the board, it's completely different. Um, my daughter's biological father did not want any part, and that's totally fine. Um, I've been to conferences for birth mothers and um, birth parents um, before, and I've met some great adoptive fathers that are amazing that still have the adoptive moms don't have any contact with the the, ch- the children, but the adoptive fathers do. Um, so, oh, and I've wow. talked to, yes. So I've talked to numerous, numerous adoptive father or biological. So like, a couple that maybe adopted a child split up, but the adoptive mm-hmm. father is still involved. The b- biological father. The biological father. Yes. Okay, got it. Got yes. It. So the biological father is still involved and still has contact and still has a still has that whole relationship with. Um, yeah, and it's it's it was really enlightening to see because I usually don't find that. I usually don't see biological fathers who want that connection and still want that relationship. But there's a few that I've met that it's like, it just, it, it makes that you have like a warm feeling that like, you know, like there's, there's people out there that you would, you would have never heard about Mm -hmm. and their, their voice is very silenced. Yeah. Birth mothers, some of their voices are silenced. I will say that, but biological fathers, their, their voices are, pretty much non-existent unless they are mm-hmm. basically unless they speak about it, but not many of them do, you know, because it's another thing of, although birth mothers have to deal with the stigma of like, Oh, you're placing your, you're, you're giving up your baby. Biological fathers also have to be, have the stigma of, Oh, you didn't care and you you don't care about your child and you didn't want to raise your own child and things like that. Just like birth mothers, birth fathers also have horrible stigmas against them. Mm-hmm. But um the the birth biological fathers that I have met are the be- some of the best people I've ever met in my life. And wow. They're genuine and true and they all have great relationships with their biological children. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting to me how, um, yeah, our our society has not yet um, supported, um, like, I think we're getting more privy to the support that a woman needs in that position, but, like, I don't think we're there yet with understanding that the biological father also needs support too. Correct. Yes. hundred percent. Um, so what has been the most challenging thing about the whole process? Most challenge. I mean, the most challenging thing for me is probably the one thing that I've always wanted to be as a mom in life. Um, that's just, I've, from the time I was a little girl, always, I mean, i and you can ask any one of my family members. They always say, oh, Fiona, she's just going to be a mom to a whole herd of children. Like that's just from the time I was like five, I've wanted five kids, which probably will never happen. But um, I just have always wanted a big family, always. Um, so having the opportunity to have a, like I was gifted the opportunity and the chance to have a baby, have a baby. And then, but obviously having her in a, not the most prime time. Um, and then having to place her was very difficult just because it's the one dream you have. And then you, you didn't don't get to do it, even though you were capable of doing it. Um, that was really hard. Um, my, 
both of my parents were actually going through cancer treatment when I was pregnant. Oh, wow. So I was, um, I was a little worried that, um, I was going to be left with no one. That was, that Mm. was a difficult thing that I went through just because I was like, I Mm. don't know who's going to be left. And am I, is this the last time I'm going to give them grandchildren, you know, before they, Mm. before they go. And so it's like, like just things like that. Um, Another thing is I, a lot of my friends started having babies the year after I placed. Oh, Fiona. And, oh my yeah. gosh. So I was like, okay. I mean, which, you know, is fine. Every, you know, everyone has their own timing for things, but I was like, okay, like, you know, and I didn't tell a lot of them. So the biggest thing I thing I think I had was people would come up to me like, oh, like, you'll know in the future when you're pregnant. Meanwhile, I Mm. went through nine months of being pregnant. I did it. I did all that. I went through the 17 hour labor. I I already did all that. So it was just get hearing things that you were like, okay, well, I already know that. But um, a lot of my friends started having babies. They have tons of babies. Um, And then I, another thing that uh, was really rough for me was I did get married and I was married for a little while a couple years. And, um, for some reason I also just could not seem to manage to get pregnant. Mm. And I, I mean, I think it was just more of, I, I, I think it was just my stress level probably. Mm. Um, and then I finally did get pregnant and then I miscarried the baby at 11 weeks. So Mm. I was a mixture of Okay, I finally got to do be pregnant again and finally get to have a baby where which I thought was the perfect timing. Like I had a husband, I had this, I had this figured out, I had a good job, you know, mm-hmm. like finally at the age and all the things around me was were more perfect than mm-hmm. uh, before and then it not working out was like, okay, well what about me? Like why 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 not me? Why couldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. So that was another, that was kind of another punch because I was like, okay, like, was that my only chance? Mm. You know, mm. was that my only, was that my one, you know? And then, but I've learned that no, I mean, they, they, it happens, you know, it, that happens. It truly is a miracle of life and I will get to be a mom somehow, someday. Like there's plenty of, whether that's me adopting or me going through IVF, or me trying other different ways of having children. Who knows? But I just think all of that together, those are my main things that are hurtful. I mean, not having a baby at the holidays, obviously, that's terrible. But yeah, knowing that I can see her life has definitely helped me. Um, I get her Christmas cards. I get to buy her gifts. I... Um, she has a sister as well, so I get to, um, and I know about her, and she knows about me too. So I get to get her gifts, and it's we get to visit, and we get to play, and we get to do all the things. And like I Facetimed her on her birthday, like she, we have a great relationship, and I get to see how she's growing in her family, mm-hmm. and again how the nature versus nurture works for her as well, mm-hmm. which is just a very I like the word cool, but it's a very cool experience Mm -hmm. to see, Mm -hmm. you know. Would you say that's the most rewarding to be able to watch her grow up? 100%. 100%. I can still watch as as much as I wish I could obviously be a part of her life now that I have my life together and now that I am older and not 18 and have the things that I I have now. Yes, I mean, I, I wish I could be there every day for her, but I know I can't. But seeing, being able to watch her grow, and watch her different quirks and things has helped me tremendously because I can see myself in her. I can see um, her mom in her, and it just, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, like that, at the end of the day, it's. I've gotten a lot of questions of like, doesn't that hurt you to see that? And I'm like, no, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Like you, you kind of push that all to the side Mm. and you're like, like I, I helped them start their family and I gave her a great opportunity to have a good family. Mm. And she gave me the chance of me growing up to eventually have a family. Mm -hmm. You know? 
So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's very bittersweet. That's the, the biggest adjective I can use to describe adoption because it's beautiful, but it's also painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, completely. Yeah. Well, Fiona, thank you so much for taking the time to share, uh, share your so many journeys with us. And, um, I really appreciate it. And I hope this really helps people, um, give some insight into, um, all of the ways we can build our families. So yeah, thank you. Of course. Thank you for taking the time to have me on your show. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week.